Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa. Buddhang tamang sankhang. Namasami. <clears throat> so it's uh, getting into the middle of the retreat now. And uh, even though we try our hardest to make sure it's a nice peaceful place, still there's always something goes wrong, there's always some busyness uh, which comes along. Unfortunately for someone like myself, that you know I can't do much about that, but at least for you guys and girls, Please try and keep it as simple as possible because sometimes I'm jealous of all the time you have. You don't have to go and answer phones and mobile and uh, emails and all this other stuff which sometimes you have to do. But uh, I have had, as some of you know, a busy few days. You know, from the time when I found out my preceptor had died and had to arrange air tickets to go over to Thailand in a rush and then go and deal with the uh, Mr. Brian Creek's uh, estate and then a uh, bit of trouble with the committee and just messing around with this and messing around with that. I've had a very busy few days. And I was sitting meditation this afternoon just after talking with a group. I'm not quite sure how they managed to get through my defences and uh, come over here to wanted to talk and uh, guided meditation here this afternoon after lunch. But you know, these things actually happen, and afterwards taking a rest and then meditating this afternoon, they're just quite restless. You, know, just, you all know what restlessness is, you know, you're just sitting down there and you can't get your body comfortable. You know, the mind just won't stop, you know, it won't sort of settle down. And as usual, you know, what I do whenever, you know, things are a bit tired or restless or whatever, I always start to say to myself, what would I tell somebody else to do? So I give myself interviews as well. <laughs> and of course, what came up, and I actually practice what I preach, you know, sort of how I teach you, I teach myself. And what came up, you know, when I said, oh, what's going on? And I always, the thought just came up, one of Ajahn Chah's wonderful teachings, which I mention to you, but I'm going to make this little simple teaching the heart and essence of today's talk. And that is, you know, he told us, when we first went to Wat Papong, he said, you're meditating not to attain anything, you're meditating to let go. Very simple teaching. And then, <clears throat> that's what came up when I asked him, you know, what's going on? I realized I was trying to attain stillness. I was trying to be peaceful. I was trying to stop restlessness. I was trying to get something, trying to do something. And the wonderful thing is when you really nail the problem through wisdom power, not through willpower, you nail it, you see it. And of course, I've been meditating a long time now. I know my mind pretty well. And so you see it straight away and immediately... You know, before a second had passed, the mind was peaceful and the body was still. And it just, all these aches and pains, maybe because of uh, venerable bhikkhunis, we had fish and chips today, so maybe I ate too many chips. 
and I, you know, I feel a bit heavy inside. And all of that just vanished. And you could sit very peacefully, very still for a nice long time and having a great time in your meditation. And I thought, wow, that's the talk for this evening. Just the power of just one little teaching. You meditate to let go, not to try and get somewhere or attain anything. And that was you know, the trick, which you know, many of these things are teaching exactly the same thing, but this is what I was doing. I was trying to, to <coughs> control just the restlessness which was you know, in my body because I've been busy. And instead of just letting it go, and letting go of this thing inside which always wants to control, which is always judging, which is always saying, no, no, you know, you're not supposed to be restless. You know, you're the teacher. You're supposed to be sitting in jhana every afternoon to inspire people. That's what people expect of you. And it wasn't working. So I stop all of that stuff and just, no, I'm not going to try and attain anything. I'm going to totally give up. I'm not going to have any aspirations whatsoever. Not even for my body. Because you know, the body was aching, it was a bit sick, it was just a little bit bloated or whatever it was, and just tired from actually talking to people in this room this afternoon. And just instead of having, sort of wanting it to be anything different at all, instead of trying to attain anything, I let it go. Letting it go means allowing it to be right here, right now, as it is, without trying to get it to be any different way whatsoever, at all. Yes, I kept on saying before, that's like giving up wanting, giving up craving, not trying to get anywhere, just being here. And straight away, you did come into the present moment. Because when you're not trying to get somewhere, when you're not trying to attain anything, you're not trying to get rid of anything, it's automatic. You just come into this present moment. This is the place you hang out when you're not busy doing something else. We're not trying to get somewhere. We're not trying to achieve something. Unfortunately, when people get into a range retreat, they have all these goals which they try to to make happen. You know, sometimes you say, you say, oh, this is my fifth range retreat. In this range retreat, I want to do this, this, and that. If you haven't failed already, you will do. So give up now and enjoy the rest of the retreat. And otherwise, you just cause so much pain and frustration for yourself. Uh, it's a great thing when you realize this amazing path of the Buddha and how powerful it is and how well it works have no attainments at all. And don't even try and trick yourself. Okay, my goal is to have no goals. Well, I'm going to try and attain the state of not wanting any attainments. And of course, you know how tricky that mind is. If you just fake it, it will never work. But if you do it properly, you know, you do it properly, there's no attainments. Okay, I'm just not going to do it. That is my problem. I was trying to do something, trying to get somewhere, trying to stop something, trying to cure you know, a bloated tummy. I'm trying to do something or whatever. And I know that so well. That was the cause of all the restlessness and all of the agitation, all the problems. And immediately, 
the body became still. You got kaya pasadi, the bodily tranquility, which you know when you're sort of uh, tired or you know you're not you know, full health, you're not <coughs> rested. It's such a wonderful joy, especially at my age and even older age, like you know, Amanda's or whatever, to, to, to have this ability to sit down and the body is at peace. You know, it's not. You know, you, you can hear I've got a little bit of an itchy throat because it's a bit of uh, pollen season must be coming out now. There's always a little bit of an ache here, a pain there at my age, but to be able to sit there and just look at the body and it's not irritating anywhere at all, just sitting there, perfectly at peace, comfortable. It's kaya pasati, the tranquility of the body, and that's such a great joy. And because it's a great joy, you can sit there for hour after hour because body's not hurting, body's not doing anything, it's just there. No aches, no pains, and it's absolutely comfortable. The most comfortable posture I can ever get is not in an armchair, it's not laying down on my mattress. Even like sometimes when I go traveling, they put me in these hotels. And you should see some of those beds in the hotels. I, you know, when I first went to you know, these hotels, I remember going to somewhere in Cambodia, I think, for some uh, World Buddhist Summit. And they put me in a hotel with this big bed. And I thought, no, come on, I've got to keep my precepts. And that's high and luxurious bed. So I slept on the floor. And the following morning, you know, the housekeeper came in to make the bed. And she looked at me, she looked at the bed, she looked at me. And she thought, what the hell's going on here? You know, this guy is not sleeping. I said, no, no, I slept on the floor. She didn't understand. So out of compassion for her that night, I slept in the bed and made it sort of uh, ruffled so she could feel that, you know, I was normal. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I do that. But even if you sleep in these big beds, you know, because there's basically nowhere else to sleep in these hotels, even so that it's nowhere near as comfortable as when you're sitting cross-legged and sometimes on the concrete or wherever, I don't care, and because you're having this no attainments, not wanting anything, totally letting go, your whole body relaxes and it is comfortable. And that was teaching me a great lesson. Because to get comfort in the body, to get rid of these irritations and these sickness, this gastric problems, this toothaches, this uh, digestive problems, this, uh, whatever other problems you have, these nose problems, ear problems, you know, every part of the body got its own problem. Imagine you put all that stuff together, that's a big problem. And to try and get rid of them, that's a problem. And so after a while you just say, just, no, no attainment, I'm not trying to do anything, I'm not trying to get anywhere. And then, surprise, surprise, your body relaxes. It becomes free and there's no aches or pains anywhere in the body to be found. It's weird, isn't it? Because you think that, you know, well, the aches must still be there. The irritation, the you know, hay fever is an irritation. It's doing something to your nasal passages. You know, there's still that sort of extra gas from all that very delicious and scrumptious uh, grease on all those chips this, after, this morning. It must be still there somewhere. But, you know, it was just basically not there anymore. I mean, I've still got a bit of a twinge in my knee, which was aching some time ago. That's, I can feel it now, but when I sort of get into meditation, it's totally gone. It's a strange phenomena. 
But you know, the Buddha pointed it out, it is kaya pasati, the tranquility of the body. And it doesn't come about through taking medicines. It doesn't come about through you know, exercise. It doesn't come about through sleeping all day. It comes about you know, by this brilliant type of meditation. You know, a bit of pity, a bit of sort of uh, inspiration, a bit of letting go, and then your body is at peace. It's amazing insight that sometimes people they go to doctors. It's good to go to doctors, dentists, <coughs> acupuncturists. You know, go and eat the right food, exercise, play tennis, do yoga, and drop dead. All this sort of stuff. <laughs> that, you know, that was. No, that, I was, you know, you wouldn't believe this, but I was into exercise. When I was a young monk in Thailand, you know, I used to do this, oh, what was it called, 5, 5BX, I think. This was a Canadian um, exercise program uh, designed for the Canadian military, which somebody got, it's a very famous little exercise program which you could keep on doing. A few of us monks were into it. You know, doing all sorts of push-ups and back lifts or whatever it was every morning. I was really into that. And I was also into yoga as well. Until I remember this one guy coming, you know, he's from the United States, and he was talking and said, yeah, I was really into this yoga. And I learned it on the TV, you know, when I was a young man from this, this uh, program called Yoga for Health, it was called, on TV. And this was about 45, 42 years ago. And I'd watch it and do all these, you know, asanas on, you know, follow the instructions on the TV. And I'd even actually go to a yoga club in the evening to do all this, this stuff. And I said, you know, these guys on the TV, this, you know, obviously a beautiful girl, nice, you know, Californian blonde doing all of these postures. I don't know if I was watching, you know, what she was bending or other stuff I think I was watching. <laughs> I was a young man. And this other, you know, this really fit young guy. And I was talking about this, and this guy I met sort of in, in Thailand, he said, you wouldn't believe, that guy, on the set, he was doing some sort of posture, and he dropped down dead. He died. And I couldn't believe that. How can you die when you can, you know, you've done yoga for so many years? Surely, you know, that means you're going to live forever. And that started sort of me doubting much of the sort of the, the stuff which people do. And instead, you know, when you started getting into meditation, that's when I found you had this beautiful tranquility of body and the health which comes from it, and a great joy which comes from a peaceful body. And it all came from not trying to attain anything. From just, my meditation was not to attain, not to get anywhere, not to change anything, but just to let all of that work go. Because that's what it is, that you're working the body trying to get it healthy, trying to get it comfortable, trying to scratch this, that's work. How can your body rest when you're working it all the time? So I didn't want to try and attain or get anywhere, to totally let it go. And you get kaya pasadi, tranquility. Hopefully you can experience those moments of kaya pasadi where you're sitting there and the body's at peace. You're just letting it be, and it settles down by itself. It really t starts to tell me that a lot of even those vedans, those bodily vedans, the aches and the pains, how much of those are real? And how much of those is what we add on to this body? Unfortunately, actually I might say fortunately, most of it is what we add on. When the Buddha started talking about those two arrows, the bodily suffering, the mental suffering, 
Now the bodily suffering is not really now, it's a little feather, that's all. It tickles you. The real arrow, the one which really hurts, is the mental arrow. 99%. I used, before I used to say about 90%, but I, I'm changing that. It's 99%, the mental stuff. That's what kills you. Well, not really, that's not what kills you, but that's what really hurts. I don't want this. I want to get somewhere else. That trying to attain something. And here, it's not attaining enlightenment. This is attaining a peaceful body. Attaining a comfortable body. Attaining a healthy body. That is attaining something. That is what causes the pain. And instead, you just say, well, I'm here just to let go of all attainments. All attainments, even comfort. And because you do that, the body relaxes and becomes comfortable. You just see how perverse this is. When you try and attain comfort, you never get it. When you give up, it's there for you. That's that old saying, I mentioned it to someone during the interviews, you know, the old Zen saying, there was a man who was trying to, trying to find a light you know, to, to, to uh, start the fire, to boil the water, to cook his rice. So he was looking for a flame. He was looking here, looking there, looking for a flame with a lit candle. Where's the flame? Where's the flame? If he only knew what fire was, he'd have been able to cook his rice much quicker. And that's what it's like. We're looking for fire with the light of a lit candle. Because we don't know what a fire is. We're looking for peace. Over there, over here. If I do this, then I'll find peace. Once I really get my meditation together, then I'll find peace. Once, <coughs> once you know, I can just stretch my body, then I can find physical comfort. Once I scratch this ish, itch, then I can find peace of uh, body. Once I do this, once I attain that, then I can find the tranquility of the body. Once I try and attain something, then I'll be at peace. And that's the meaning of life, the meaning of life which is including suffering. But when you start letting things go, instead of trying to attain things, when you realize, my goodness, I had the candle all the time. This was the flame. Now I can light my fire and have my rice at any time I like. This is actually how we learn how to let go of attaining things. Let go of trying to get things, even tranquility of the body. When you let go of trying to attain it, then it comes to you. It's there. It is, just as you say on the computer, I spend too much time messing around on those silly things. This is default position, tranquility of the body. We disturb the body. Just like Ajahn Chah would say, it's not the sound which disturbs you. You disturb the sound. It's not the pain disturbs your body. You disturb the pain. If you stop disturbing it, it's gone, vanished. If you understand that, you understand one of the first uh, similes of Mara. You know that when Mara comes, causes you any difficulty. When you know Mara, I see you Mara. I know you. And as soon as that wisdom arises, Mara vanishes. Mara, the so-called Lord of Death, is just delusion, that's all. Once you actually see it, when you get insight and wisdom, this is insight meditation, by the way. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's peaceful meditation. Insight and peace all go together. 
But when you actually see these things, the problem goes immediately. It's an amazing thing about this Buddhism. You don't have to work. You just see. You don't have to fight Mara. You know, I'm not a violent man. I don't like violence. I was always a pacifist. Even at school, I never... One of my f- best friends, you know, when he came to visit me in Thailand, you know, I didn't really realize how I stood out. He said, of all his f- friends at school, I was the one who never got into fights. All the other kids did. We said, you know, that Peter, that's me, Ajahn Brahm, he never got into fights. And I, you know, I never actually saw that because I was too close to myself. And that's very, very true. You never into violence and confrontation. How come? Because you actually you see the cause and you just see the result and you can avoid it. And it's the same, you never confront Mara. If I had to struggle with Mara, I'd lose. This guy Mara, you know, he's, he's much more skilled than any of you. You know, he's a smart guy. He's been around a long time. You know, he almost sort of fooled the Buddha. So, you know, what chance have you got? Not through power not through force, but through wisdom. And that's all one needs to do. You see, oh no, that's the problem. I've been trying to get something, trying to attain something, trying to, to achieve something. Even if it's achieve something which is quite, you know, it's, you think, acceptable and understandable. You know, health of the body, comfort. You know, can I achieve that? Well, you know, it's a good thing to achieve, but you don't achieve it by trying to achieve it. You just get yourself more stuck. You're buying into Mara's game. And once you know what Mara is, oh, just let the body be. I'm not trying to obtain anything. I'm not trying to get healthy. I'm not trying to get rid of all my sicknesses and all my old age problems and all my sort of tiredness and my forgetting things and whatever it is, or even the young age problems. Gastritis, you know, this aches, that aches, everything aches, life is an ache. So after a while, you just stop trying to attain anything. Let it po- totally be. I'm meditating not to attain even good health. Not even to attain sanity. I'm going to allow myself to be absolutely mad and crazy. And of course what happens then is when you're not trying to control Mara, and you know Mara, Mara vanishes. You get this beautiful health and peace and tranquility of your own body. And that is something which is real. Something you're not imagining. When it gets to the mind, some of those things you can imagine, you can make up. When it gets to the body, this is real. You can feel that and it lasts for hours or days even. You're healthy, you're relaxed, there's no aches and pains. Because you never try to attain anything. You saw Mara. Mara left. Now you're free. You have Kaya Pasadi. Now, I mention that because that's what you can understand first of all. I want you to find that works with Kaya Pasadi. Kaya means body. Pasadi means tranquility. Once you see that with the tranquility or the settling down of the body, the peace of the body. People like to get peace of mind, but get peace of body first of all. You don't have to be healthy and perfectly fit and have no sicknesses to get peace of body. <coughs> you get chiropastadi, as I said I did once, you know, with uh, typhus fever. And in a hospital after about three weeks, or four weeks I think I was there, about three weeks, I you know, still had this terrible sort of sickness, 
no one knew what it was and just sitting there and they really ache you know after three weeks of a fever and just no energy absolutely whatsoever now of course you know we all say oh yeah no i know that i've been sick as well but uh, no this was in a ward six beds on one side six beds on the other side roughly about that and you were lucky if you got the bed at the end of the ward next to the toilet and i was about five beds away and when I wanted to go to the toilet, and this is not an exaggeration, I'm being as honest and accurate as I possibly can. You know, I, to stand up was a big effort. Now, there was no nurses or no bedpans or anything like that. There was that hospital when I got in there and at 6 p.m., sort of the nurse, you know, at the end of the, the ward, disappeared. And at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., no one had taken over. And I talk to the monk in the next bed, shouldn't we call someone and get the night nurse? And he said, there is no night nurse. If you get sick in the middle of the night, that's just your bad karma. You know that is not reassuring when you've got a terrible fever. You know, for 12 hours of the day, you're on your own. No nurse, no one to call. If you died, you died, and that was it. So it's a very, very rough hospital. And to get to the toilet, there's no one there to help you. Either all the other monks were just as sick as you or even worse. All you did was build up your energy and then try and stand up. And You know those old beds, the old hospital beds with the metal railings on the end? You just get on to the end of one of those and you just lunge to the bed, next bed and try and hold on so you didn't fall down. And then you steady yourself in five minutes to get your energy to walk over, struggle over to the next end of that bed and do the same. Just holding on you know, as much as you can because your legs couldn't support your weight. You know, they were just too weak. And in you know, half an hour, I think it usually took me to get to the end of the ward and into the toilet. And you'd sat, sit there for a long time to get everything out because you were not going to do that too many times a day. And then make the expedition up Mount Everest because that's what it was like to get back to your bed and then lay down really tired. So you're really, really sick in those days. Okay, so you're sick like that and then what you do, you go into meditation and you get Kaya Prasadi. And when that is bliss. I mean, not talking about nimittas or the jhanas, but just being able to be free of a body which has been racked by fever for three days, for three weeks, sorry. Oh, that's bliss. And how did you do that? It was all no attainment. Give up, let go. At least I had a great teacher of Ajahn Chah who just simple teachings, not complicated. You're meditating to let go, Ajahn Brahm. You're not meditating to try and attain anything, not even physically, let alone mentally. So once you do that with your body and you find out how powerful that is, then you start doing that with your mental world. Because sometimes if people do that with their body, yeah, they can sit and they're quiet, and the body's pretty, pretty nice. But then what do you do? You mess it up by trying to attain something in your mental world. Ajahn Brahm says, the bliss better than sex. This is it. This range retreat, that's my goal. I want to have... 
mental orgasm. <laughs> or else, especially if you come all the way from overseas, otherwise I'm going to ask for my money back, all this money I've paid to stay at Jhana Grove. If I don't get mental orgasm, as a fake teacher, I want to get my mind. I'm going to tell everyone about it when I get back to Germany. It doesn't work. <laughs> this is the problem with people. You want something. You're trying to attain something. When you try and attain, just even look at it logically. When you're trying to get somewhere, attain something, you're stressing out your mind. You know, there's a place where you want to be. Here I am. That's called tension. As it says in the Dhamma Chakapawadana Sutta, which we're going to chart next Thursday, remember, not Wednesday, it says separation from what you like. Let's put it separation from where you want to be is suffering. First noble truth. Here I am and I want to be over there. That is called suffering. So what do we do when we have suffering like that? Here I am, I want to be over there. You try everything in your power to get over there. When you get over there, you want to be somewhere else. Welcome to samsara. The perpetual wandering, always going somewhere else, always going on to the next thing. The human going, not the human being. And that's people's life. And it's incredible that many of you become monks. You're here. And you still want to go somewhere. You, know, you want to maybe go to what would a Dhamma after the rains? You want to sort of go to Thailand. You want to go to China. You want to go all these different places. And you know, the rains retreat hasn't ended yet. You might die tonight. And all your plans. Well, you want to get this finished and get that done. Always going somewhere. When is your work ever finished? When is all the buildings all built? All the painting all painted? All the books all written? The answer, never in the future, only now. This is why the mental world we realize the only thing we can do to stop that problem of suffering, I'm here and I want to be over there, is to not try and move yourself to over there. Move over there into here. Until this is where I want to be. Wherever this is, this is my home. This is my Nibbana right now. Not over there in some future post-journey experience, not in some, some amazing burst of beautiful lights where you see the meaning of life and you see everything and you see the Buddha and everything else. And no, 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 no. You bring the world here. In this moment, you don't want anything else. So you're not separated any longer with where you want to be. When there's no separation, there's no suffering. When there's no suffering, you get chitta-pasadi, the tranquility of the mind. You're no longer forcing the mind anywhere. You're not trying to attain anything, get anywhere, do anything. You've closed the gap between where you are and where you want to be. As it always says, Buddhism in London, 
mind the gap. <laughs> For those who've been over there, keep on saying that when you go in these, these tube trains in London. They have the same in Germany, probably in German, because there's always this little space between the platform and the train, and they keep on saying, mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. And this is what mind the gap means in meditation. The gap where you are and where you want to be. Mind the gap by bringing where you want to be right where you are rather than you moving to where you think you should be. That means no more attainments. You're letting go of wanting, craving, trying to get somewhere. So, in my meditation this afternoon, okay, no attainments, here I am. You know, it's a bloody good place where you are when you don't want anything. Incredible when you don't want things. Kaya Pasadi. And what comes next? Chitta Pasadi. Peace of mind. That word which people use in the West, a goal of life, they want peace of mind. And they think peace of mind comes when they, they get their nice chateau in Provence when they get their wine cellar just fully stocked, when they get their beautiful, their soulmate, who's meant for them up in heaven, their karmic partner, and they live happily ever after. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's not peace of mind. Sometimes people think they need to go to a nice monastery like Bodhinyana Monastery or Jhana Grove and there they will find peace of mind amongst the kangaroos and, <laughs> and the nice forests and the nice kind and, and compassionate teachings of Ajahn Brahm and they've come all this way and what have you got peace of mind? Now you're going crazy. You can't wait to get out of this place. <laughs> where, where you got peace of mind from? It's never from outside. It's just when you start wanting to go somewhere else, physically and mentally. You're not trying to attain anything anymore. You give up and you're just here. Always inspired by all those um, verses of the, the enlightened monks and nuns in the time of the Buddha. And what really inspired me was how difficult it was for those monks and nuns and how they were struggling and struggling and getting no peace of mind and uh, especially in the bhikkhuni terigata you know the verses of the bhikkhuni so, so I was meditating for years and years and I wasn't getting anywhere and then this great teacher came along and almost immediately they got all these great achievements and enlightenment and stuff and I always wondered what the heck did these people teach so it was like for years and years and years and years they were getting nowhere. And then there was a teaching, some trick, and it turned them around straight away. And they always lives were getting enlightened. You know what that trick is? Letting go instead of trying to achieve things. Because some of you, for years, you're trying to get somewhere. For years, you're trying to sort of, you know, still the mind. Trying to get nimittas, trying to get jhanas trying to sort of see the Dharma be stream winners, non-returners, arahats, whatever it is, trying, 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 and you've tried so hard. And then some smart addict comes along and says, we meditate to let go, not to attain. 
and you get it. The light bulb goes on. You press the letting go button. You see what the letting go button is as I keep on talking. The switch, you can see it. You switch it on. Ah, Kaya Pasadi. Ah, Chitta Pasadi. And you know the result of that, how the Buddha taught, absolutely accurate, beautiful, can't even put it better, no one can. Once you get that Kaya Pasadi and Chitta Pasadi, you get this beautiful sukha, this happiness, this joy coming up. Ah, peace at last, to know there's no happiness in the world. <laughs> in other words, to know you don't go struggling and striving for things. You go struggling and striving, you're separated from where you want, and you never get to the goal. As I say, that craving is basically chasing the rainbow. You know what the rainbow is? You used to do that as a child. You see a rainbow, and you were told that if you can get to the bottom of the rainbow, there you'll find the pot of gold. And I was really poor. I needed a pot of gold. And you chased the rainbow, and you chased it, and it ran away from you. And you know, because you didn't have to hadn't done any science at school yet. You know, look, you could see where it was landing on the ground, on the field. You could see where it was, and you ran over there, and as soon as you got over there, the rainbow had moved to somewhere else. So you tried to move faster. You tried to run really fast, but however you run you fast, the rainbow just kept on moving. So then you tried to be sneaky and crawl on the ground so the rainbow wouldn't see you. <laughs> but still it kept moving. And you couldn't figure it out until you went to school and said, you know, you can't find the end of the rainbow. It's an you know, optical illusion. It's light. And that is light. Surely for now you've grown up long enough. You've been around in this world long enough. All the rainbows you have been chasing. You've all been chasing the rainbows in the world, whether it's you know, great sex, a great relationship, you know, fame, money physical comfort, kids, whatever else you've been chasing in this world, you haven't got that. So now you come to Bodhinyana Monastery or Jhana Grove, and now you start chasing the rainbows in the mind. You've given up chasing the rainbows in, out there in the world, so you try, start chasing the nimittas. You see a nimitta over there, and you just go towards it, and it's gone. You try and sneak up on it. <laughs> it still it goes. <laughs> Okay, if you got the message. And yes, now again, a smart Alec Mark Cornan comes along, teaches you Dharma just in almost one sentence, and you realize the stupidity of your whole life, of many lives. That's what happens when you get big insights. You think, how could I have been so stupid? And it just blows you away, just the power of stupidity. How could I not seen it? The Buddha was telling me again and again and again. I was with a great teacher like Ajahn Chah for years and he was just pounding away the same message but he never got it. He said, so just let go. So I really tried hard to let go. He said, be empty. So I made this great idea of what emptiness was. And I put emptiness on my wall. I put empty everywhere. And I owned my emptiness. Empty was my greatest possession. I made this great thing about emptiness. So emptiness was, was a, and I could actually feel the emptiness. I could know the emptiness. Emptiness was a thing. <laughs> and it's just, this is what we happen to do. And then after a while we think, oh God, how stupid I was. And then you just let it all go. Emptiness is not a thing. I, I told that little story that over in, uh, in 
open, not open and dry heart, the, uh, the mindfulness, bliss and beyond. The great, the great play of words from Alice in Wonderland, or Alice with the Looking Glass, I think it was. When Alice arrived at the place of the Red Queen, and the Red Queen said, no, did you see anybody, no, I'm waiting for my messenger, did you see anybody on the road? And she said, I saw no one on the road. Wow, how great eyes you have to see no one at such a distance. It's all I can do to see someone. <laughs> and then the messenger arrived and said, did you see anyone on the road? He said, I saw no one on the road, Your Majesty. Correct, that's what the lady saw as well. You both saw no one. You saw the... <laughs> Did anyone sort of pass you on the road? said, no one passed me on the road, Your Majesty. No one passed you on the road, that means you weren't travelling fast enough. So no one walks faster than me, yes, that's why they passed you. <laughs> and I've got this whole thing about making no one into a person. Okay, welcome to the, the original mind. <laughs> welcome to emptiness, welcome to letting go. You're making letting go something to attain. <laughs> See how stupid people can become? So instead of trying to attain letting go, instead of trying to attain the nimittas, instead of trying to get into jhanas, if you only knew that you had a lit candle, you would have lit your fire and had a jhana much earlier. You're looking for jhanas here, looking for jhanas there. When will I ever find a jhana? And you've got a lit candle already, okay? <laughs> so stop it. Let go. You find you have chitta pasadi, the tranquility of the mind. You're not separated anymore from where you want to be. You really have let go. You haven't chased the rainbow. The rainbow has come to you. Incredibly, but that's what happens. And that means you're still. You've let go. And all these incredible things you read about, everything you ever wanted to attain, is just there. You understand this Buddha's path is fantastic, incredible. It's very rare because people just find it so difficult to do the obvious, just to leave things alone, let it go, and stop trying to attain things. You get this beautiful sukha. At last, you're not struggling. Just a whole piece of, at last, being free. Remember those people you went to work on Friday, when you finished work, I'm free, I don't have to do anything anymore. That's like Kaya Pasadi, Chitta Pasadi. I'm free. I don't have to fight this body and try and get comfortable anymore. I don't have to take it to the toilet. I don't have to scratch it. I don't have to fix its aches and pains. I don't have to move my body because my bum aches. I don't have to move this way because, you know, my tummy aches. I've got nothing to do. The work is over for my body. Then the work is over for my mind. I don't have to struggle to try and get my mind peaceful. I don't have to try and watch my breath. And I can't watch the breath enough. I've got so much stuff to do in my meditation. I'm really hopeless. I've been here for four weeks. There's so much work I have to do. It's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. Great insight. Shut up. And stop it. And stop trying to get somewhere. And have a holiday. 
a holiday from trying to train your mind. Just let it be. Hey, just okay. This is where I want to be, right here, right now. So the separation from where I am, where I want to be, is zero. Here I am. With that, you get citta pasadi, tranquility of the mind. And this is what the Buddha said. Once you get kaya pasadi, citta pasadi, you don't have to make the definite the resolution. You don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. It happens. You get sukha. The joy and happiness, oh, bliss at last. It's the happiness of being on holiday. Away from it all, no internet, no work to be done, no cooking, nothing at all. Imagine the most blissful holiday you can have. I remember Ajahn Bamari telling us, he's going to go on tape now, you're going to be embarrassed about it. He went with his parents and he was in this villa with his own personal butler. Wasn't that the case? <laughs> Okay, that's not really good fun. It's much better fun when you've got your own personal uh, jhana butler coming to offer you these amazing things. Do you want an imitator? Which imitator do you want today, sir? We've got the blue imitator, the deep purple, blue, deep blue imitator. How about the golden imitator? I had that last week. The white one, please. Whiter than the whitest of whites. The cosmic whiteness. Deeper and just unearthly in its whiteness. Wow. It all served up on a platter for you. You don't even need to ring the bell to call the butler. As soon as as soon as you want. Well not as soon as you want, as it just comes to you. Without even thinking about it. And this is what happens from the sukha. It just comes because of tranquility. And you don't have to make the resolution the choice or the effort may my mind be in jhanas. It just happens. You're there. Wow. At last. All those things I wanted to attain, they happen when I let go of trying to attain anything. Of course, it's obvious. And then we come out of the jhanas and it's not just you've had a good time. You realize this worked when I stopped wanting things, when I stopped doing things. And when you do this, this something else happens. This whole idea of who you are vanishes like the mirage it always was. When you do things, when you struggle, that's where you build up your sense of who you are. I am the monk who built this hall. I am the author of opening the door of your heart. I gave the talk today. I'm sorry, but I didn't. If I was here, I could not give this talk. It's not me. I have to totally disappear and let go. Then these talks come out. The same with meditation. If I do anything, the meditation vanishes. And I'm just back in samsara, struggling with having eaten too much fish and chips. 
bad tummy, oh, restless, tired. Why do I always have to talk to these people who keep coming during the rains retreat? I don't know how they came over here. They just want to hear about a few jokes or ghost stories and whatever. When they meditate, they lay down on the ground right in this hall with their feet pointed to the Buddha and fall asleep and start snoring. What a waste of time. <laughs> Why do I have to do this? <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> hey. Now that's samsara, that's you know, the Ajahn Brahm, that's a person. And that's stupid, you, know, you have to do that sometimes, but then in meditation you vanish. You, you go, you're not there anymore, and that's called letting go. When you attain something, all you're attaining is a stronger sense of me, stronger sense of who you are. And that's why that there is no person who attains jhana, you vanish and then jhana happens. Or as I remembered, I, I used this as a theme for a range retreat three or four years ago, I forget when, when I started by this great, one of my favorite sayings you know, from the commentaries. Okay, I know in this monastery we're really down on the commentaries, but you know, every now and again they actually do say something wise. And that's the great saying of Buddha Ghost, it may not be of him, but he quoted it, the path is but no traveller on it is seen. Wow. That's amazing. You just, you know, get that in your head for the rest of this range retreat and you'll be in jhanas, you'll probably be streamwinners and non-returners, our hearts, the whole works. If you really get into that saying, the path is, but no traveller on it is seen. If you travel this path, if you do the meditation, if you walk the Eightfold Path, it's not a path at all, it's a wrong path. It's the you know, Micha path. Micha means the wrong path. To walk the path, you have to disappear. So the Eightfold Path is, but no traveller on it is seen. No Ajahn Brahm, no Ajahn Sujata, look. There's no Ajahn Sujata. <laughs> Amazing. That's a real practitioner. <laughs> for, the, for those of you who are listening to this on the tape, Ajahn Sujata is the second monk here this Rays Retreat and he's, he's out today. So that's why his seat is empty. But this, there is no one. So this is our goal to be a person who practices without anyone doing the practice. Not to be a traveller, not to be a meditator, not to be a yogi, not to be anything, not to be a bhikkhuni or a bhikkhu, certainly not an ajahn, to disappear. And when you disappear, when you disappear, of course you can't do anything. That's the whole thing with a sense of self. A sense of self is what appears when you do something. Every time you do anything, there it is, there's an atta, there's a self. That's a problem. Every time you don't do anything, you vanish a little bit more. When you really get into not doing things, and I really mean not doing things, I'm not, I'm not pretending, not playing, not being like a mime, because the, 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 the mouth doesn't move, but the you know, voice, voice comes out. That's what people meditate, they meditate like mimes. They think they're letting go. But yeah, their mind is pretending not to move, but they're thinking a lot. 
No, this is really doing it 100%. You don't do anything. Then you vanish. We understand about what the sense of self, the anatta doctrine, what it means. You know, you've, you've done anatta. You know, anatta has happened. It's there. No one's there. It's empty. It's gone. Vanished. You're not doing anything. Nothing, nothing moves. You disappear. And of course, if you disappear, of course everything vanishes. The body vanishes. Past, future vanish. Thoughts vanish. Five senses vanish. Will vanishes. Consciousness vanishes. A whole lot vanish. These are all the sort of stuff you build the illusion of self out of. When all of that's gone, no one left. Peace at last. Now that is peace of mind. <laughs> tranquility of mind. It vanishes. That's what tranquility means. When nothing moves, it fades away and disappears. Gone. With nothing left. If there is something left, it must still be moving. When it starts moving, it's gone, disappears. Wow. And that is the end of the talk. <laughs> Very good. Oh, back again. Thank you.